This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mento LLC. Mento LLC Trade Consulting focuses on issues of duty minimization, recovery, and elimination, while also helping our clients with trade compliance issues of both the import and export nature and global cargo security. You can reach us at 978-317-3250 or email me directly at pete.mento at Mento LLC. From Washington, D.C., this is Trade Geek Podcast with your host, Pete Mento. Been incredibly lucky to have met some people who can make up for one of my glaring lacks of business acumen, and that is the creation of technology. If you want me to sit in a room and talk about what I want technology to do, oh yeah, yeah, I'm your guy. I'll be your big thinker, sit there in front of the whiteboard with my big pile of dry erase markers and blah, blah, blah all day long. But it's, uh, it's a pretty big glaring hole in my game. And today's guest is um, one of those people who I've been so fortunate to have stumbled across. Adele Chavalet is one of the people in our industry who kind of pulls that curtain away from Oz and isn't afraid to humbly show you how something works in language that makes it easy for you to understand and doesn't feel ashamed to show you just how uncomplex something that's been sold to you as complex is. It's really what makes him special. And in an era when our industry is becoming more and more digitized in an effort to take away our roles, and put power in the hands of people who consume shipping and consume customs, he's kind of automating away many of the jobs that a lot of us enjoy, while at the same time bringing power to the people like us who do these jobs by making us more efficient, giving us more control, and showing us ways to do those jobs better. He's also got the kind of sense of humor that makes it easy to sit in a room with him while things are all chaotic and difficult and make it a lot of fun to work with them. There was a time in my life professionally when it was pretty hard to keep a smile on my face and he found a way to do it every day. I really do miss the days in the ballpark when we'd sit there in front of that whiteboard and I'd have a pile of magic markers in my hands and Adele and I would figure out the world's problems. I really hope you enjoy today's conversation as much as I do. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, my good, good friend and fellow brother in Endemian, Adele Chavale. Welcome back to the Trade Geek Podcast. I often say that I'm excited to have a friend of mine join me today. And friend is a broad term. This is actually a friend of mine. Like this is someone that I spend time with outside of work and I don't have to pretend like I'm enjoying myself. I do enjoy myself. Adele and I have been through um, a great deal together and um, come out of it on top. We've done everything you can possibly imagine from, uh, we worked on a startup together. We worked through a corporation together. We've ridden in Mardi Gras together with Endemian and we're still- Survived. Yeah, <laughs> not lately we haven't, but we're, oh. we're still alive. Um, I'm so excited that Del Chavale is with me today um, to talk about some of the things that people just don't talk about in this industry. 
with any degree of confidence, and that's technology and how it works both in logistics and trade and beyond. I could have had any host of nerds come sit down with me to talk about data and talk about technology, but I had one that really looks at it from a different angle and that's what makes you so special. That and just, you're so handsome, Bill. You really are very handsome. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm so fired up today to have the, uh, the whiskey and my soda join me today. So Adele, thanks for coming in. And why don't you take a moment and just talk a little bit about the company you're with now, the company you started. Oh, Pete, thanks, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, so uh, I, I started a, a new company um, about a year ago called Core Loop. And Core Loop is a technology strategy company, I think first and foremost. Um, and you know, it, it comes from the, the culmination of really the whole journey to this point uh, of the various industries and various stops along the way and the successes and the failures, um, you know, and, and you, you kind of hit a, a key word that I, I think of every day and it's just, it's given me a lot of perspective um, and the team that, that is working with me that, that's been very loyal and, and really doing all the hard work. So um, I, I think of life like as a video game and you know we're going on an adventure and I, I jump at the opportunities to take these adventures and go see what's behind door number three um you know calculated but still I'm, I'm up for the adventure and the challenge and you know this is the next chapter for us so uh so i've been doing it for about a year and having a good time from the second i met you on the uh third floor i think it was at crane worldwide in houston yeah uh, you, you have always struck me as a contemplative guy, a bit of a deep thinker. You may not think of yourself that way, which I think would be a, a mistake on your part, but you're definitely someone who thinks strategically and forces other people to as well. You have a fascinating background that brought you from a small school in Louisiana uh, to where you are today. And when I say small, I'm not exaggerating. So why don't you walk us through your sort of your education and, and how you manage to, there's a lot of young people who listen to this podcast and they're, they're trying to figure out their own career paths on how they're going to make it to become an executive like you have maybe own their own business. So from that, that the, the simple beginnings of a small Cajun boy growing up barefoot, you know, gigging frogs and drinking whiskey in the back of a pickup truck. So. Oh yeah. Well, not much has changed actually. So, <laughs> no, we, uh, so yeah, I grew up in Louisiana, a small town called Elton, Louisiana. And my, my graduating class was 29 people. Um, and, uh, I knew from, uh, about two feet tall that I was going to go to LSU and I was going to be an electrical engineer or study electrical engineering. That's, that's what my, my dad did. Um, and you know, he remains my idol. So I, I, I went and followed in those footsteps and, Went to LSU um, and got a electrical engineering, a computer and electrical engineering and um, degree and you know, never have really directly used that trade other than sort of fixing things around the house. Um, but, you know, I think that the best thing it gave me was trouble, troubleshooting and to a degree design, you know, in different aspects and just logic, you know. So um, I would probably go back and do it all over again. In, in that way, I think there's a lot of core skills that come from really a lot of these degrees that people really, really stress about what to go to school and study, you know, and, and um, I think it, that, that's one thing I didn't overthink, 
I do tend to overthink and I, I do know that about myself, but I didn't overthink that. And, you know, it was a, it was a good decision. Um, so, um, you know, from, from there, I had an internship in Houston at a, at a national healthcare company that uh, was their IT guy. I was crawling under, you know, desks, running wires and, and it was, uh, it was, you know, I'm, I've always been willing to put my time in and this was, this was one of those things. And it, uh, it kind of just blossomed. I mean, I, I hit it off with the executive team there, uh, did a presentation at the end of the internship that, you know, they said, hey, we want to start a software company and we want you to head it up. And um, I was 19 at the time. And of course, I had to finish up college, but we, we kind of decided over the next couple of years, I was doing research and we decided we wanted to go start a gaming company, video game company. And um, so, you know, naturally, I, I was pretty excited when I left. Houston headed back to Baton Rouge. Um, I think I stopped at the casino in Lake Charles along the way, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, re really excited and, and, you know, finished up school and six days later drove to Houston and started a video game development company. So when, when you, you've got one of those towns you came from where um, it's Elson, right? Is that the name of it? Elton. E-L-T-N. Yeah. Elton John. Got it. When people say I'm from a small town in blank, and they're like, oh, no, 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 I'm from New Hampshire, too. You know, where are you from? And you're like, well, you know, I'm from Claremont. We're like, I don't know where that is. When you say I'm from Elton, Louisiana, do people say, oh, okay, where's that from? Or, or is that so small where they don't, they don't have a clue? If they're not from Louisiana, they probably have never heard of it. I mean, um, you know, closest. Texas, Texas, yeah, but the closest, um, it's basically right between Lake Charles and Lafayette, which you may have not also heard of, but um but you know it, it's they're more on the map just from size and you know hurricanes unfortunately recently mm -hmm. um, but we're right right in between so we could pick a you know direction and get to a movie theater either way so you really are a small town boy done good is what we're oh, talking yeah. yeah and then the the whole video game thing why was it that when they say you could we want you to go start a business why was it of all things video games so um that it was their passion so you know the, the, the ceo and some of the other executives at the company that that's what they did in their spare time they, they played games and um so you know the the passion for that industry came from them and you know i became the one that had the time and the energy and the naivety to dive in and go figure it out and, and get it going so uh you know I, I learned a lot as a result of that and um you know it was a it was just a hell of a 16-year journey oh i bet now this is where the things about, about your perspective in the world really begin to apply. You, you see a lot when we talk about technology now in any business, the gamification of whatever. You really did it, all right? So it's not just lip service when it comes to you. You really did it. Um, talk to me about, first of all, working in gaming. What were the kind of games you did? What did you learn from that business? What were the highs, the lows? What were some of the things you really miss? Um, I miss the passion or, or, and the unity that came from working on a thing, you know, um, so that, that's probably one of the, and, you know, the teams and the creativity that was, that was there. It was, it were, these were really hard projects to, to execute on. And, you know, the, the way I kind of tell the story around the difficulty there and sort of the art of making video games, it's not just, is it pretty and is it fun? 
does it sound good? You know, does it run well? Uh, but there's there's all the underpinnings that you're not seeing under the hood of the AI and the networking and the security and the you know the performance. The second a game gets laggy, controllers are getting thrown and you're getting cursed out on a forum somewhere. You know, so um, so it is a real combination of the the scientific and technical components of of software development, but then the you know if you want to call it psychological um, and entertainment components that are just purely subjective. And you know the, the range. We worked on a game called Axis and Allies um, with um, Milton Bradley and Hasbro and Atari back in the day, and you know it had a rabid following. Um, and we we go we saw some demographics of people that actually played the game once it came out, and there were eight year old girls playing it, and then there were seventy five year old you know World War II vets, and so try to try to build a single experience that is approachable enough you know for the eight-year-old girl but deep enough to satisfy the the grognards as we call them that that really loved world war ii and were intimate with all the specs and the stats and the you know the different battles um so that that range makes you really think about an approach as opposed to just running with the first idea that comes up yeah so you you bring these ideas now to all these other industries and, and how you end up in my miserable life is I end up working with you when, when John McGee hires me um, and Tim Zubrat hired me to go work at Crane Worldwide. And you had been there for some time, kind of, well, I'll let you tell the story, right? John reaches out to you and you don't even know what kind of industry this is. No, that's true. I'd never heard of freight forwarding in my life. Um, and you know, I still have the, the LinkedIn message he sent because it, it definitely sent me down a course that I'm very thankful for and, and owe, owe, to, owe him quite a bit for the opportunity and the, the support over the years. Uh, we remain very good friends to this day. So he uh, got a random LinkedIn short message and it's like it's the it's textbook how to cold call someone on LinkedIn. He got my he got my attention. And, you know, honestly, I wasn't looking for work. I'd been in the same ecosystem working for 18 years or almost 20 years at that point and really hadn't contemplated going anywhere else. Um, but he said, hey, you know, I'm looking for someone to help take our company from 600,000, I'm sorry, 600 million in revenue to 1.5 million in revenue. And we think technology is the way it's going to happen. Would you be interested in, in visiting? So I was like, what is freight forwarding? Who is John McGee? You know, I had heard of Jim Crane before and know, you know, he was the Astros owner and it's like, well, you know, I'd, I'd be stupid to not take this meeting and, and go see what, go see what's going on. Um, so not only was the meeting, you know, successful, we really hit it off and shared a lot of the same values and had the same vision of where things could go. Then I started researching the industry in general. And um, like I was talking about door number three earlier, yeah. this, this portal opened up in what was my everyday life and all of a sudden I'm seeing all this stuff that's moving around that I never really saw before. All the trucks on the road, the ports, the containers, the rail, the this, the that. And you just, you just don't pay attention to it. It's just kind of a nuisance when you're you know, an everyday consumer. <laughs> um, but when, when you see the complexity of that and, the, uh, and then start researching the players in the industry and what they were doing and how they were doing it, it's just like, man, there's just, there's a lot of opportunity here a lot so um and and it was just part of the you know the next stop of the adventure so said let's let's go yeah 
and then I, I get to see the stuff in the building. So I come to Crane and you had taken all that gaming stuff. And now mind you, I'd never seen the client portal, sort of the, the business facing stuff that was there before, but you brought your team of, um, of pirates with you and you revamped it. You made it look more pleasing to the eye, more sort of collaborative to the user, more Im immersive, I guess you would say. Is that the first thing you guys did? I would say that's the first sort of um, outward facing, publicly facing thing that was that we did. Uh, there were there was some runway to get there. I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of understanding the business mm -hmm. first before we start making bets like that. So there was there was a good six months where we did a lot of you know um, solidifying of pillars. If we're going to go build something, it's got to be on, on a stable ground. And um, so I, I think we knew that we were going to go do that right away. In fact, I knew it before I even started. I knew that that's, that was something that um, was a big opportunity for these logistics companies is they, it's highly transactional. They're, you know, things are moving back and forth and, but there's no center of mass on a relationship, you know, for, with a, with a, um, a shipper. And much like an e-commerce, you know, thing where Amazon has you at its portal and can market to you, can bring more value to you, can see, you know, help you out and just, um, and also just kind of you know, know whether you're happy or not, right? I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that can come from that sort of engagement and interaction. And that seemed missing to, to me. So we, we took a stab at it and had some success. Um, and with the idea that it become, you know, a platform and everything go forward, plug into it and even evolve or, you know, be born exclusively digitally over time there. So, um, so it was, it was definitely a, a fun, a fun thing. And we got some great response from, you know, clients and uh, sales team loved it, I think. Uh, so it was a, it was a fun journey. Yeah. I think that's the part that uh, IT won't get enough credit for is when IT, isn't it, I, there's probably, technology development, right? Is when the business development and salespeople love it. That's when you know you really hit something is when they're, they might not understand it, but they know that the people that they're selling to really, um, they're responding to it. And the stuff you guys built, people were really responding to it. So that that's when I, I was really proud of what you guys were doing. I didn't always understand it. And um, I was very honest with you from the moment I met you. I mean, the moment I met you, I remember, when John introduced me to, he's like, you guys are really going to hit it off. Like you pat me on the back and he's like, have a seat in the Dell's office. I'm looking around your office. There's nothing in it. You know, you didn't have, you were ready to just pack up your crap and leave in 20 minutes. And, oh. and me off. I feel like that scene in animal house when um, they all go over to the, the, the Delta, <laughs> the, Delta the other, the other, the other house. And he's like uh, introducing the guys they don't want in the fraternity. This is jug dish. And, uh, over here's Lonnie and you guys have a lot some cake and some it's like you know here's all the nerds you guys sit around and I'm like nah this, you put me and Adele together you this is dangerous you know and and we we had a lot of fun we before I know it we're working out of your offices at the Astros Park and um bending time <laughs> yeah yeah you did some amazing things over there man um, no it was it was it was a it was a great platform to to build and to grow and, you know, um, 
you know, I, I hope the, the takeaway from, from the, the whole enterprise there too, was that it was successful. And, um, you know, I, I, I believe it was, and, you know, for us, for myself as well. Do you think the technology in this space is going to make it harder for smaller companies to work or easier? Do you think that there's, from what you've seen and what you've done, is it going to be the kind of an opportunity where some upstart comes up with a great digital platform and they can compete with a FedEx, DHL, Expeditors, you name it, because they've just got like that center of mass you're talking about where people just can't stop playing with it. Or is it the sort of thing where the Expeditors, DHLs, FedExes of the world, they got the money to throw at it and, and they're just too far ahead of everybody else? Well, they, they've got the momentum and the footprint. You know, I, I've listened to several of your podcasts before, and that that's a theme that comes up as we start talking about the, you know, the new upstart that's going to take over the world in, in this area. The physical footprint is is a barrier to entry um, that you can't just show up and have and are are operate well even if you have it. So um, I think it's going to continue to be fragmented for a while, and. But that doesn't mean there's not going to be big themes that start emerging. And, you know, we're already seeing one of those with just the user experience and intuitiveness, easy to use. Um, that's, I think, becoming non-negotiable for users, you know, especially with the, the up and coming you know, generation that's entering the industry now, they're, you know, they grew up on their phones or, you know, certainly laptops and, and their phones and everything is immediate gratification. And, you know, I'm guilty of all of the above myself now. And I grew up, you know, for the first 20 years without a computer. So it, um, but it's just, you know, it's changed our perspective on everything. And I think, you know, one of the big bets that I'm making, and I think a lot of companies should make is the uh, this whole gamification you were talking about has been done pretty materially at a consumer level. So you know you know exactly where your meal is coming, and you know every, even financials and everything now. But the B two B world is ripe for that right now. You know these same people are going into their office and looking at green screens and chasing data that's thirty days old or sixty days old and doesn't know where their million dollar shipment is and things like that. And, you know, I think the tolerance for that kind of stuff is going to go away. Um, and that can be a technology play. You don't need to have warehouses to solve that problem. You know, you can. Um, so I think it's going to get easier for small businesses to not small logistics businesses. That's a different story. You know, that's a different story. But small businesses, I, I think it's the day and age of great technology enabling them. To, to show up and, you know, basically start a, start a business of some form very quickly, you know, be tools users um, and, and then try to carve your piece out uh, at the end of the day. But it's, it's definitely the day and age of tools. And if you know how to use the tools and put them to your advantage, then you got it. You can, you can definitely grab a piece of the pie. You, you told me something once when you were building that TNS. I've always kept at the front of my mind ever since. Um, we need to make it easy for people to work with us, right? There's that great meme, take my money, right? You know, uh, there's all these people out there that they do, they want to work with us. Why do we make it so hard 
for them to work with us. And I, I think every enterprise across the board, massive logistics firm to small logistics firm, big retailer, small retailer, to some degree, they make it complicated to, uh, to have a relationship with them. And I think that that's a piece of the secret sauce that everyone needs to spend more time focusing on. And you just mentioned a bunch of them. When I buy my Uber Eats, man, could they make it any easier? They show me that the guy or the woman in the car driving to my house and Amazon now, if I'm linked up with the UPS, I can watch them delivering my stuff now. That's pretty creepy. Yeah. You know, so how much easier can they make it? Apple Pay? Are you kidding me? If I'm online ordering something, click, click, here's my face. Give me your, give me my stuff. How it's making it easier. So um, you were a man ahead of your time. Well, maybe you weren't ahead of your time, but you, you got me thinking about it a lot harder. I'm, I'm on a, a lot of calls with a lot of money people these days. And I'm always saying to them, technology and freight can do this, this, and like, wow, Pete, I mean, do you know how to do that? I said, no, I don't. But I know the dude who does. Uh, so I'm, I'm constantly talking to you uh, in conversations with, with people with a lot more money and um, connections than I do. I think you're amazing, Adele. And uh, I tell anyone that listens, I think you're the smartest person in this business. You take, you take um, compliments poorly. You should know that. And the guys you work with are incredible too. They also take compliments. Well, they are, they are. So you, know, you, 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 you touched on a point there and I, technology is, is a piece of the puzzle. It's not the entire puzzle for mm -hmm. all these companies, um, but nothing is either worse or better for a vision than technology. And, you know, there's a, I can't tell you how many companies I've been in that, you know, you, you ask them, what are, you know, what are you doing in this space or how are you solving this problem in your business? And they're like, oh, we got a system. Okay. You have a system, you know, that's, that's, you've shown up, you've shown up, which is part of the, part of the game, but, you know, using the system and, you know, we used to use the word weaponizing the system to, to be very deliberate and intentional about executing what it is, um, is they think it shows up automatically. That has to be intentional. It's gotta be, you know, laid out and it's gotta be, you know, uh, monitored and measured. And, you know, that you're, you're right. People just kind of get in their own way in businesses and um, just introduce friction. So that's kind of the namesake of, of the company we started, Core Loop. At the end of the day, there's a, there's a core loop of interaction or capabilities that you have to have as a company that you put forward, and it's a gaming terminology. Um, where, so. but uh, like you know, back in the day, you play Mario, and the mechanics were really slick. Uh, you would jump, you would you know hit the mushroom, you jump on the turtles, and you do all that. But if you think about the game, you were doing that whether you were in the clouds or in the dungeon are on the ground. So the core loop were the mechanics that you just did and they just worked uh, over and over and over again. People knew what they were doing. They knew how to interact, what to expect, what the input and the output was. And um, so the, the thought is why, why can't businesses be that way? And the, the answer is they can, they just have to be intentional about it. You know, I love this is, a, that was a great example of why you and I work uh, as a team. You brought me right back to making sure that we market and plug your company. And I appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, what are some of the kinds of projects without getting into specifics that you guys have been working on? So uh, it's, it's been pretty diverse this, this first year. Um, we've got some uh, healthcare work um, and 
you know, everything that you can imagine going on in healthcare. Um, and I mean, there's a lot going on in healthcare right now, but it, it's, it's transformation of healthcare companies. So everything from uh, intelligence, you know, predictability, visibility, um, storytelling with data, customer experience, operational efficiency, you know, these, these problems are really universal. It, it doesn't matter if it's healthcare, oil and gas, automotive, it really doesn't matter. Um, so, so you know, a lot of work in healthcare, uh, some private equity work. So we're helping uh, various private equity firms doing due diligence. So in, instead of just kind of going in with the checklist of saying, do they have a firewall? Yes, do they, you know, that sort of mechanical due diligence around M&A, um, that we're going in and engage with what could be here. So it's helping them build a thesis out of what, you know, should we or should we not buy this company? What could it turn into? Um, so, you know, I, I prefer that part of the problem than the mechanical operational thing. We've done the operational piece before, but, you know, it, there's, there's a lot of players that are a lot more passionate about that out there um, than, than the other side, which is us walking in and seeing what's not there. You know, I think that's a big part of the strategy differentiator that we bring to the table too, is um, I tend to think by default, all the systems that a company needs are there. And, you know, versus a rip and replace, you know, and we, we've gone through this together uh, in different, different um, venues. But if you walk into a company and you're like, what's the biggest thing holding you up? Chances are somebody's going to say, it's my ERP or it's my TMS or it's my this or that, right? And it's the big bad system It's because they don't understand it. It's been um, vilified and, you know, you can't just rip and replace it, but it's, it's a, chances are it's getting you 70% of the way there, 60% of the way there. And there's ways and with, again, with intentionality, get in there and, and supplement it to, uh, to get it to where it needs to be as opposed to ripping and replace it. The next system is going to have the same problems a new set of problems, you know? So, um, so that's kind of a, a kind of part of our strategy is going in and helping really build ROI out of things that are there already. It's not the system's fault that you don't know how to use it. Right? You're not getting or that it wasn't set up for it correctly to begin with or things like that. Are, are you hired an absolute donkey to uh, implement it for you? <laughs> you know, the, the other day, my daughter, and this is one of those moments, it was the other day, it was about six months ago. It was one of those moments where I felt like such a tool. My daughter was texting a friend of hers and she held down the space bar on her iPhone and that allowed her to move the cursor like it was a mouse. Adele, Adele. Mind blown. Oh my God. It was like someone introduced me to whiskey for the first time. I, and then I had to tell everyone about it. It's like when I became a vegan, I'd tell everybody. It's like, have you, <laughs> have you heard about the, the tool? Have you heard about the space? I guarantee you right now, someone is listening to this podcast and doesn't know what I'm talking about. Doing it real time. Yeah, doing it real time. I had no idea. And it was, and it always frustrated me, but it was there the whole time. And I guarantee you, if I would have sat down with the dude at the genius bar, they would have showed it to me when I bought my phone. But I was like, no, no, I got it, bro. And like walked out like a jackass. <laughs> so it it kind of proves your point that if the user is just happy to have a system implemented and isn't going to take the time to understand what it can do, it's not the system's fault. You know, it's the user's fault. There's so much more there that could be done. Tell me about what you think is going to happen next. 
if if you look in your crystal ball and not just freight related when you look at systems and technology what are you excited for what do you see the things that are going to happen in the next 10 to 20 years that get you pumped um i think the one of the trends that is very exciting right now is just you know the, the, the upward tech trend just in general and, and largely driven by the market where new startups are coming and it's kind of the dot-com era all over again uh, i hope it has some legs but you know it it's it just never know um but i i think it's the day and age of software and where there's just so much um new capabilities that are going to be brought to the surface and rapidly you know the, for me to predict five years, I'm just going to say I can't. Um, but I think, you know, because even next year at this time, we'll look back and see some big new things or big new ideas that you know, we haven't even thought about before starting to hit the market or things like that. So it's going to be uh, really exciting. Electric vehicles is a, is a, you know, obviously a front and center on a lot of people's minds of how, how that's going to roll on and change everybody's everyday life. Um, I, I, I get excited by those things that really just fundamentally change what you do and how you do it every day. You know, the iPhone is a great example, obviously, but um, it's, it's been a while since something's come along that has fundamentally changed, you know, everything about our, our everyday. So, um, you know, software, software is the name of the game. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll keep making my bets that way, too. Good boy. Well, uh, this year, you and I will not get to ride in Mardi Gras in New Orleans for Endemion because the pandemic, unfortunately, has wrecked that like it has wrecked everything else fun. Yeah, uh, we are both Saints fans and hopefully we have something to cheer for after this weekend. I guess we'll see. Um, but for those of you that don't know, during Mardi Gras, there are big super crews that shower the city with throws. And um, Adele and I are, are members of one of, the, one of the biggest, the second biggest, actually. And um, last year, our, our parade was cut short because of a, a sad accident. And this year, it's cut short because of a very sad pandemic. So mm -hmm. we won't be having fun this year either. So I'm not, I don't know when to get to see you again. That bums me out. Um, but hopefully soon. So uh, on a, you know, personally, Adele is a father and husband. And uh, apparently, you have a new dog. I didn't know this. When did you get a puppy? I was conned into it. So uh you know, I, I knew it was a matter of time. I would, and and my wife just knew right when to hit me. It was right before Christmas this last year, previous year, 2019, and and I was traveling, um, and she, you know, just slides me an email. It's like, hey, the breeder says this puppy's available and it's going to go fast. You know, and we've been, um, and I was still kind of in no, we we don't need a puppy or want a puppy, and and then I was thinking, well, the girls are getting older. What better time than Christmas. So I, I rerouted on the way home from LA to Utah, Salt Lake City, picked up a puppy, traveled back with a puppy. I'd never even held a dog in my life. Really? I had to, you want to talk about overthinking. I overthought how to get that puppy back. Um, had pet diapers and everything, <laughs> just not knowing what to expect, but came home and, and you know, dad had a puppy for Christmas for the, for the girl. So, so then best, one of the best decisions I ever made. Love, love it. Name is Harley. What sort of dog is it, Adele? Uh, it's a golden doodle. Oh, nice. High five. Yeah. yeah, I desperately want a dog. And I have been, um, I've not been traveling. I guarantee you, Adele, if I get a dog, 
the COVID will end in 24 hours <laughs> and they will be back on a plane every other day. I guarantee you that if you want to see an end of the pandemic, maybe I should do that for humanity's sake. Just I should get a pet. For all of our sake, yeah. Yes. Well, it's time for me to wrap this up, but I have three questions that have nothing to do with logistics. I ask all of my guests, are you ready? Let's do this. First car you ever had, what was it? How'd you get it? What happened to it? So it was a telephone truck. What? Yeah, my, uh, my whoa, dad. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> like a telephone truck, like you, like, like. like... Full-blown tool toolboxes all up and down the side. And um, my, my dad was uh, in air conditioning and refrigeration. And that, that's what he used to kind of, you know, go on all of his calls and projects. And, and when, when it was time for me to get a license that he was, it's like, well, you're not getting a new vehicle. I'm going to go get one. And this is now yours. And I was thankful, you know, I mean, I, it was a way to get around, you know, the, the three block ride from my house to the high school. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, I gotta say the ladies loved it. It was it yeah. was nice. Yeah. You could probably fit half of your graduating class in your telephone <laughs> truck. What was in all of the different cubbies in your telephone truck? Because it had to have a ton of storage. I, yeah, I just locked them because I didn't trust all my friends. And you know, they there were a few incidents where they shoved things in there and I didn't know for a long time and like raccoons. Smell it. Yeah. You just smell it after a while. So uh just learned to lock them all up. <laughs> yeah, there would have been at least a dozen possums in that truck by the time oh, yeah. What happened to it? Did you drive it into the ground? Yeah, I, I think it, it. I think it just met, you know, met a day, and um, I, I honestly I don't remember what happened to it after that. Oh, man. Okay, that's I. Dell, you might be the winner of question number one. Okay, question number two: the first job you ever had that paid you an actual paycheck, um, and then how much did you get paid? I had so many odd jobs growing up, but you know, an actual job where there was payroll involved. I worked at the uh, recreational center at LSU on campus. So I worked at the, the front office and um, helped them schedule and plan all the intramural things and, you know, got to be in the facility where all the exercise and stuff was happening and, you know, took, took advantage of that. Um, so it was, it was a great job, but I think pretty highly sought after job on campus. What did they pay you? Probably eight bucks an hour or something like that. It was, you know, um, which was high back then. I mean, you know, but I was, I was, I was happy. I was happy just to be there. Some beer money. Yeah. Now, uh, question number three, if you could have a job that has nothing to do with what you're doing now and the laws of physics and time do not matter, what job would you want to have? And I think I know the answer. So, uh oh. Know. Well, I'd love to hear your answer then. You're going to hear at the end of it. Yeah. Okay. Um, right now I'm, I'm feeling chef. Oh, have you found the cooking uh, bug? Is that what this yeah, is? Yeah, I've, I've got the cooking bug and, you know, I've been watching these master classes. Um, and it, the, the thing I, of course, I love eating and I love eating good food. And I love varieties of cuisine and trying new things. And it's just a great platform to infinite learning. You know, there's no, you can, you can try your hardest and still not master something. But um, the, the thing I love about watching these master classes is the expertise and the, the, they just disappear, you know, in what they're doing. And that I long for that. 
I long for that. So eating, it's the yeah. preparing. And then you get the prize at the end. Yeah. Yeah. That is such an Adele answer. I would have thought, given that you were such a baller in high school and how you wanted to play for LSU, that you would have wanted to have been a professional basketball player. No, no? That, no I, back then, yeah, but not not anymore. Not not right now. Dunking on these fools, you wouldn't have wanted to have done that? No, well, I could still do that, but um, <laughs> no, you know, I, I think there's more fulfilling things for me. Um, it's like, you know, the physical thing can come and go, you know, one injury and you're done. So that, that just kind of turned me off and realized there's, there's more, there's more to go explore out there. Absolutely. Well, now, every moment I spend with you is absolutely magical. You are one of the best oh, friends in this business. I absolutely love everything about you and I can't wait to work with you again. I can't wait to see you again. So it's officially Mardi Gras season. I can say this happy carnival, happy Mardi Gras. Thank you. The family are safe and um, thank you so much for coming on here, man. I'll talk to you. No soon. problem. We'll see you soon. All right, buddy. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye.